The views and opinions expressed on today's show are solely those of the individuals speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the American Solidarity Party. The official party platform can be found under the About Us page on the American Solidarity Party website, solidarity-party.org. You're listening to The Pelican Brief, the official podcast of the American Solidarity Party, a show dedicated to promoting the common good on common ground through common sense. I'm your host, Bill Fleming. My guest today is Jim Hanning. Jim is a writer and former professor who is running for governor of California. Today, Jim joins me to discuss his run. Before I share that conversation with you, I would like to make a quick disclaimer that we did have some background noise while recording this episode. Hopefully, the small portion that we were not able to edit out doesn't interfere with your ability to enjoy today's episode. Jim, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Bill. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with you? Well, I would think almost all listeners would be unfamiliar with me. Uh, however, I, I have been active in, uh, in the party since 2016, and I've especially been active uh, here in California, a uh, member of the California State Committee. And also, uh, like you, I, I do a podcast. It's called The Open Door, and over the years, we've had a, a great many people from the Solidarity Party, visit us. And uh, so there's that connection. Now, in terms of my personal background, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan, known as the Athens of the Midwest, (laughs) but only by a very few. Uh, And I was born in 1946, which makes me 39 today (laughs) and I had uh, uh, four brothers and sisters and one thing led to another and then I uh, went to San Antonio, Texas and graduated from St. Mary's University there. One of the reasons, main reason why I went there was in in hope of of learning some some Spanish And, and I think that has been a, a real plus, not that I know that much. I've been married to my wife, Elizabeth, since 1968. We have six children. Uh, during the Vietnam War period, I was a conscientious objector, uh, officially from 1968 to 1970. And then I got my doctorate in philosophy from Michigan State University and 1975, which meant that I was there when a fellow named Irvin Johnson was there, better known as Magic Johnson. I don't recall having any classes with him, but even then, the tone had been set. And then after teaching for 40 years at Loyola Marymount University here in Los Angeles, I said, yeah, basta. And I've been redirected, not retired. Retiree rhymes with deportee. So I have been redirected, not retired. And I work with the New Oxford Review. I direct the American Maritan Association. And let it be understood, I do a fine imitation of a chicken with its head cut off. (laughs) 
So how has your experience as a professor and a writer prepared you to serve as the governor of California? Most of my teaching uh, focused on political thought and uh, official title of the course, Contemporary Moral Problems. And I think uh, being the governor would require some political thinking and not just uh, in terms of marketing, but in terms of real political thinking. And in terms of uh, moral problems, uh, well, they're with us every single day. I think also, uh, I had the experience over 40 years of seeing a Catholic liberal arts university uh, get uh, bigger and bigger and shallower and shallower. We talk a lot about intermediate uh, institutions as crucial for a, a viable liberal uh, society. And I saw an institution pretty much, uh, and with a certain amount of eagerness, become just a commodity. And I think that that happens to all sorts of institutions uh, throughout the country and certainly in California. And having witnessed that, I think, gives me a sense of, to put it in the vernacular, just how creepy things can get. So taking that experience, what, what do you see as the top issues currently facing your state? And how can you leverage that experience to address those issues if elected? Well, I think it's hard to give a short list, Bill. We are so far from building a, a culture of life that uh, I, I think that the very first thing to do would be to, uh, both in terms of developing legislation and uh, speaking clearly about things, is, is to well, reverse as much as possible uh, what in California is uh, the enshrinement of abortion. And at the same time, to directly counter what in California is a, a tightening embrace of euthanasia, which is, which is called assistance in dying, assistance in dying, which is so characteristic of the, the, the use of euphemisms. It's just extraordinary the kind of pollution that uh, the language suffers. Um, I, I would also want to address right from the beginning, and, and there's some legislation in play right now, but there needs to be a lot more, uh, the housing crisis. In, in California. Uh, I have a, a couple of statistics that uh, I, I think are important to the, just to call attention to how it goes here in, in California. This is, this is, gee, just a starter. Here in California, our median housing costs are 47% higher than nationwide. 
And that means we have the highest housing costs in the nation uh, in terms of housing units per resident in California. Well, we're so bad that we're 49th in the nation. And <clears throat> worst of all is that there are about 125,000 homeless people in our state. And I live in Los Angeles, and we have streets lined with homeless uh, uh, encampments. Uh, the city just uh, quietly cleared a major encampment. Of course, uh, front page of the paper about the city's quietness <laughs> removing that encampment. As connected as anything could be, 20% of a population of, of, uh, of our state lives in poverty. And that's the highest poverty rate in the nation. So never mind Hollywood and the hoopla. We suffer every day from problems of that sort. Uh, another thing that I would certainly want to address, and this is uh, going, going international, we're the Pacific Rim state, right? And we have close ties to China, right? And it, it should be said, it should be said by the governor that uh, China is a one-party, one-party police state. It has uh, systematic violations of human rights, and that should be an everyday matter of discussion as opposed to something pretty much ignored. So those are my starting points. And what was it that motivated you to get involved in the race and why the American Solidarity Party? One word, uh, along with an article, the platform. I think we have a, a really terrific platform and it grows organically out of our fundamental commitments to solidarity, subsidiarity, economic democracy, and a respect for the, the dignity of the human person. And why did you get involved in the governor's race? I want the people of the state to know about the American Solidarity Party. I think we've got a good start. Our, our presidential candidate last time around was Brian Carroll, and I think he brought great visibility to the party. And our gubernatorial candidate the last time around was Desmond Silvera, and he too brought great visibility to the party. And I don't want that visibility to be lost. I want it to be real clear that we're here, we're here to stay, and we have a lot to say. And what is your strategy for getting the word out about the campaign and about the party? Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, incredible challenges posed for third party candidates from ballot access to just kind of these myths and tropes that we repeat to ourselves. So how, how are you um, planning from a strategic perspective to, to get out in front of people and, and make them aware of what we're doing? We're going to be as visible as we can with interviews, uh, with social media, with a little bit of touring, uh, 
a little bit. Uh, uh, there's a couple of people up the street that have just got married and have a fan that they've been working on, and they're going to drive around the country. Well, I told them I got a plan B. If that doesn't work out, we could use your van. <laughs> and so we'll do whatever we can to, to be public and to, to bring the message. Now, people talk about charting a course, uh, finding a, a way to victory. Uh, well, victory, victory. Uh, well, 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 that's our cry. We're not going to win politically, but we're going to win in terms of vision and, and presence and offering a clear, crystal clear alternative. I'd say to the duopoly, but there's no duopoly in California. It's a monopoly. A lot of people are not comfortable with either major political party, um, and they feel kind of checked out about politics entirely, or they remain loyal to a party that they find less objectionable. Uh, what does the American Solidarity Party offer to those individuals who find themselves in that situation? I want to say, Bill, I want to say it again, and I want to say it over and over during the campaign. We bring a platform. We bring a, a statement uh, that deals with environment, that deals with civic participation, that deals with international affairs, that deals with the economy, that deals with civil rights, that deals with the family. And uh, there's something there that has real substance. And I think that uh, one of the things that turns people off, and rightly so, is the, the emptiness of standard political rhetoric. I think we offer the fullness of the rich thinking of long-term Christian democratic uh, philosophy. Can you speak a little bit about the Christian democratic philosophy for those who uh, might find that term alien? Uh, well, there could, there could be people who find it alien and alien. <laughs> uh, we don't mean to be in any respect exclusive in using Christian democracy as a term. Uh, a little bit of background. After World War II, in Europe, the major political blocs had been proven to be empty and dangerous. And what emerged was something called Christian democratic parties, Christian democracy. And one of the people that was foremost in the development of that thinking was a philosopher named Jacques Maritain. And Jacques Maritain literally was in on the drafting of the United Nations Declaration on Universal Human Rights. And uh, the parties in, in Germany, in France, in Poland, and Italy, uh, looking for a way to rebuild uh, a devastated society, turned to people involved in the Christian democratic movement. And the writings of those folks are anything but sectarian, but they are insistent that the human person has an inviolable dignity and all politics have to be built around that. So in that sense, we come from the traditional Christian democracy. I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the voters of California. If you had the opportunity to speak with each of them one-on-one, -on -one, what would you want them to know? I think I would say something like, 
the most important thing in the lives of many of us, a great many of us, is friendship. And friendship can take many forms. And the form that friendship should take, and too often has not been able to take, is the form of civic friendship. Rather than looking at the political sphere as a, a constant struggle for power, we need to look at the civic sphere as a place where we can exercise friendship. It can't always be face-to-face -face friendship, but it can be a friendship in terms of a joint commitment to the common good. Well, the common good isn't a summing of individual interests. It's not some sort of utilitarian common good. It's a common good that is such that working together, every single person has his or her well-being uh, advanced. You might think of a team, for example. Uh, a team that's got a ball hog is a team that's not going to work, except maybe for the ball hog. A team is something that helps everyone on the team, not just a few people on the team. And many of us have terrific, great memories of working with a team, maybe in athletics, maybe in, in our employment, uh, maybe in some uh, special uh, uh, locations or special commitments we have. I want to bring that spirit of civic friendship as a real possibility to people. And I want to say to each person, we could have civic friendship instead of the god-awful mess that we're confronting every day to day. If people like what they heard today, how can they get involved and support the campaign? I think the, the best, at this point, one-stop move would be to visit the American Solidarity Party of California. American Solidarity Party of California website check in there. Uh, over the last week, we've started a number of committees. Uh, one of them has to do with how to get a bank account going. <laughs> Another one has to do precisely with how to use social media as best as possible. But what's been up and available for quite some time now is the American Solidarity Party of California. And just check in there. You could, you could do so by saying, hey, I'm interested in this campaign, I'd like to help. And you'll hear back from us within seconds. Jim, thank you for joining me, and we will have all of the relevant links um, available in the show notes for any listeners who would like to get involved. Bill, thanks so much for the opportunity to talk. It's been a pleasure. Godspeed. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share this podcast with your friends and family and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Our next episode will be released in two weeks. Tune in to hear my conversation with Bert Fitzgerald about community banking.